Welcome to TIFF Talk, sponsored by Endogastric Solutions, a podcast that interviews physicians and real-life patients about the most common gastrointestinal disorder, GERD, commonly known as chronic acid reflux. Listen to patients and physicians interact, break down the disease from different perspectives, and learn how taking the next step in your treatment can change your life. For our audio listeners, you can see visuals on our YouTube channel at GERD Help. The TIF procedure may or may not be appropriate for your health condition. Only your doctor can explain the benefits and risks of all treatment options. Results may vary. Visit GERDHelp.com for more clinical data. The TIF procedure for reflux was developed by Endogastric Solutions Incorporated. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this evening's TIFF Talk. I am Wendy Prophet with Endogastric Solutions. Pleased to have with me this evening my colleague, Lynn McFadden, as well as our special guest, Dr. Craig Smith in Richmond, Virginia. Dr. Smith received his medical degree from Michigan State University and completed his general surgery residency in Savannah, Georgia. His fellowship in minimally invasive robotic and bariatric surgery was completed at Indiana University. And Dr. Smith is board certified in general surgery, also a member of the Alpha Omega Honors Medical Society, and has multiple peer-reviewed publications. He is a member of the American College of Surgeons and achieved a fellowship certificate from both the American Society for Metabolic and Bariatric Surgery and the Society of American Gastrointestinal and Endoscopic Surgeons. Dr. Smith has a special interest in bariatric, anti-reflux, foregut, and hernia surgery, and he uses the most advanced minimally invasive techniques, including use of the Da Vinci robot to help provide the most optimal patient outcome with the quickest possible recovery. Dr. Smith, welcome and thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Well, we'd like to take the opportunity this evening to thank our viewers for joining us. Please go ahead and comment uh, or ask your questions in the comments section. Let Dr. Smith know where you're tuning in from, and we'll get to those questions as we're able to throughout the broadcast. So let's go ahead, jump on in, and start with the question, what is GERD? All right, so here we go. So um, like she said, I'm Craig Smith. Um, I'm from the Midwest, now I'm in Richmond here, um, a few years in practice and really focusing on reflux and GERD along with bariatric surgery, which kind of go hand in hand. Um, so what GERD is, is a feeling of burning in your chest or kind of a tickle in the back of your throat or even pain sometimes in the upper part of the belly. It can be caused from a variety of things. Most commonly, it's because of overproduced acid in the stomach and a weakened lower um, esophageal valve or sphincter, which causes that acid to come up and down the esophagus after you do certain things, um, say eat too much, um, eat the wrong foods. Uh, maybe you're a regular smoker or you're pregnant or you have, intra, you have a lot of weight in your belly bit overweight that can cause more pressure in the belly and cause that juice or that acid to go up the esophagus and cause some irritation and burning there. And that's what people usually cause call GERD um, or reflux. Very good. So can you tell me how do patients typically manage their GERD symptoms? Sure. So many people start out in their 20s, even their teens with GERD. Um, 
And usually it starts out as, uh, I just shouldn't eat that. Say maybe it's a red sauce pasta, um, some citrusy foods, maybe it's orange juice or some high acidic food. So they avoid it initially. So we first say, you know, lifestyle modification. Um, from there, they can try taking Tums, which kind of just masks the problem. Um, we recommend taking something called Pepsid um, or Omeprazole or Prilosec, which can be the first line therapy. 20, 30 years ago, we didn't have those medications. People would have bad problems that were um, years and years in the making. Uh, but now with the medications that we have, it controls many people's reflux. Um, so that's how we recommend people start out. And then if it goes from there, it gets worse from there, we recommend getting involved with a gastroenterologist or maybe an endoscopy um, to see what's going on in the inside of the stomach and the esophagus. Excellent. Thank you for that. Can you talk a little bit about what symptoms patients typically experience and then maybe some of the atypical symptoms of GERD as well? Sure. So most people will just complain um, of pain after they eat in the upper esophagus into the chest. So they say some chest burning after they eat. Maybe they have some uh, frequent burping. Um, they say maybe they're a little bit gassy after they eat. Um, usually it's within a half an hour. Um, the um, the typical reflux doesn't really have pain necessarily when they eat more of a burning, but not necessarily a sharp pain. It's kind of a chronic, dull, achy kind of pain. Um, they may even have some burning back in their um, throat or a tickle in their throat. That's the pretty common stuff. Or when they lie down, a, out down for sleep at night, they may feel like some sloshing in their esophagus or even some um, coughing. Um, Atypical would be blood. If they're coughing up blood, that's pretty atypical. If they have more of a constant, a constant um, achy or gnawing pain, is pretty atypical. Um, and then obviously a variety of other things from there. Excellent, thank you. So, what does the process look like for determining if a patient has GERD, and and why is it important if if patients should find out for sure? The first step is to meet with their PCP and kind of describe to them what's going on. So first thing is a good clinical history. Find out what's provoking their GERD. Is that normal or not? Um, from there, um, after they've tried, say, PPI, Omeprazole, Prilosec, um, Protonics, or Pepsid, um, they can get referred to GI. And GI will gather a good history once again, and then we'll consider imaging. So possibly an upper GI where they swallow some contrast and see how everything moves down. But more typically, they do an EGD. And an EGD is where you're put to sleep uh, for about half an hour or so. It's an outpatient procedure, um, not painful at all. And they put a camera on your throat, look in your esophagus and your stomach, looking for any um, irritation of the esophagus, any irritation of the stomach, looking at the first part of the intestine, looking for any polyps or bleeding. And those help to identify, is this atypical or just kind of normal expected GERD? Um, and then from there, we can do a variety of tests to look at the esophagus and how, it's, how is it working? Um, and is it moving food through the right way? Once those have been maximized and let's say you're not responding to medications, then we can discuss more interventions from there. Okay, thank you. Um, so, what can you tell us a little bit about options that are available? You touched on medications a bit, if you wouldn't mind kind of jumping into the different levels of, of medications as well as other options for treating GERD. Yeah, so first thing 
obviously is lifestyle modification. So if you're overweight, trying to lose weight, if certain foods are causing you to have reflux, don't do that. Don't eat that food. Um, trying to separate liquids and solids. So you can eat your food, but at the end of the meal, maybe have your, your liquids and not have it all together. It decreases the sloshing around in your stomach. Um, trying to limit the acidity of the food, uh, more of a bland basic diet. If you're a smoker, cutting down smoking significantly helps GERD. Um, minty things, things that make you burp will also worsen your GERD. Um, those are the main lifestyle modifications um, that I can think of offhand. I think I'm missing a few, but uh, those are kind of the big ones. Um, from there, we can discuss the other interventions. So uh, if you fail the, the lifestyle modification and you've maximized the medications you're on, you're still having symptoms, um, we should consider surgery or another intervention. So there's a variety of interventions to choose from. Um, some procedures only involve going down the esophagus to thicken that valve. So the stomach is below the esophagus and the reflux is going up into the esophagus. So the idea is you want to strengthen that lower sphincter or opening so it's tighter to prevent the acid from sloshing up into the esophagus. So there are devices out there um, that help to thicken that junction. But me, I believe in two major interventions. The first one would be the TIF procedure where we can go down the esophagus with the endoscope when you're asleep and wrap the stomach up to strengthen that, that valve so it's tighter. Instead of being like this, it's nice and closed down tight. So food still passes through, but you can't get the acid up as readily. Um, if you're not a candidate for that for, for a variety of reasons, um, we consider surgery, which I do it robotically. So you have four little cuts in the mid belly and it's about an hour and a half, two hour procedure on average. And you're in the, you're in the hospital overnight. And I, I fix uh, the stomach. So I wrap it up um, with surgery. So instead of doing it from the inside with the tip, I do it from the outside um, with the robotic arms. And that helps to recreate and strengthen that lower valve. Okay, thank you for that. So I'm going to throw in a, a, a quick true or false. We, we do uh, oftentimes get uh, questions from folks out in the community who ask, you know, can't medications just take care of this? Can So true or false, medications can fix GERD? False. Medications can control GERD um, for, for many people. It's a very, very prevalent disease. So um, over 20% of Americans have GERD of some variety. And like I said, some people control it with only dietary modification and lifestyle changes. Some people are on medications all the time. Some folks, if you miss a, a dose one day, they're fine. But other folks, if they miss a dose, they are hurting for weeks. Um, so it's not a one size uh, fits all when it comes to controlling GERD. And, and the medications are not without their own side effects. So taking protonics or omeprazole, long-term PPIs, have been involved with um, cases of kidney failure, Alzheimer's, and pneumonia, not to mention the cost of medications long-term. And maybe there people are on many medications, they wanna reduce that, then they can discuss surgery, but they're not benign. Okay, thank you very much.
Uh, looks like we have a few questions coming in. I'm going to turn it over to Lynn. Go ahead. Thank you, Wendy. Yes, we do. We have a couple of questions. First, uh, from Matt from Chicago, he's asking, why do I get heartburn when I eat deep dish pizza? Good question, Matt. Well, it's delicious and something you just can't avoid in life. But in terms of the deep dish pizza, it's probably that red sauce that's given it to you, along with probably the, if you like sausage or pepperoni, I can cause it as well. So between a high volume meal, eating a lot because it's so delicious, um, and that red sauce, it probably causes that reflux. Thank you, doctor. Um, I have Haley asking, I believe I have GERD, but I don't want to have an invasive procedure. Is TIF an option for me? Yes, well, it's easy to say yes. We have to evaluate that further though. So first you have to do a, you know, a thorough exam with your practitioner. Um, but before we do a TIF, we want to do an EGD where we go down your esophagus and look at everything at least. You can do a variety of tests. It's probably the most prudent test to do because it gives us so much information between how your esophagus looks, is there any hernia to deal with too, and how's your stomach look. So although you want to avoid an invasive procedure, meaning cuts, I'm guessing, on your belly, um, the TIF is an option. We need to do a little bit more thorough work before you jump to the TIF outright so we don't have to abandon the procedure when you're in the OR. Great, thank you. And her last question on that same thread was, um, how long can I be on PPIs? The manufacturers say indefinitely, but as I said before, there's good data saying that there's a higher rate of kidney problem, Alzheimer's, pneumonia, and many other things that are in the fine print in the label. But we're seeing more and more of that people age with protonics long-term. Thank you. All right. Okay, Lynn, uh, thank you very much. I'm sure we'll see you back uh, in just a few minutes. Um, so now that we've had the TIF procedure mentioned, I think that's a good segue into uh, just talking a little bit about uh, how the procedure works and who it is uh, well suited for. Yeah, great. So the TIF procedure came about in 2007, many, many, many years of development um, around the 2.0 generation of the device. Um, this is a device used to help cure, not just control, but hopefully cure your GERD and your reflux. So what this device does is it goes over that scope I was talking about before. So it goes down your throat and it, you go down into the stomach. Are they seeing a picture of this? Not, not at this point now. Okay. So it goes down into the stomach. Um, and we use a scope, look up at the stomach, look up at the esophagus junction. And we see usually a loose valve. So we use this device to wrap the stomach up around the esophagus from the inside and tack it in place with these tacks. And these tacks, we have good 10-year data on this showing that it has great control of reflux. Most people come off their medications in the first two to four weeks and never have to go back on. So the 10-year data says there's over an 80% chance of being off your medication at 10 years, which is really good. Even surgery for this uh, problem, uh, the recurrence rate for hernia or for the wrap surgically is still 20%. So there's the same long-term success as surgery, which means a lot. You're not having the, the cuts and that kind of thing. So that's the procedure. It takes about, an, if you're super fast, like a half an hour, but on average about an hour hour and a half in the right hands in a high volume center. 
the risk of surgery for the TIF are pretty, pretty low, very low, actually. There's been 27,000 cases done so far, and the risk of uh, bleeding, esophageal injury, stomach injury, uh, much less than one in a thousand. So that's very, very good versus surgery, which is probably one to 2%, but that's a fraction uh, of the surgery risk. Um, some places you're in the hospital um, the same day and go home. Other places you're in the hospital overnight for observation. It depends on the practitioner and the level of comfort. Excellent. Thank you. And so can you tell me who are who are very good candidates? Who would you who would you say fits the profile for a good TIF candidate? Uh, first thing is age. So you want to be over 18. This is indicated for adults at this time. Um, want to have a BMI or a body mass index, which is your height and your weight calculation, less than 35. Um, 35 and above, so people that are morbidly obese might be better suited for maybe a bypass instead because that controls your reflux and your weight. But we know that if you try to do the TIF or a reflux procedure in someone who's heavier, you have a higher risk of failure. So those are the two main things for that. Um, they need to have uh, you need to have failed medical therapy, be it PPI um, or um, Pepsid. You need to have um, documented reflux, meaning either an EGD showing esophageal changes or a history of Barrett's, which is now controlled before we do the TIF, um, history of gastritis on an EGD, or um, doing a workup with GI to measure the acid level in your esophagus, which could be called a pH probe or a Bravo study. Those are the main things you see. You can also do the TIF in people who have hiatal hernias, um, which you can see on x-rays or CT scans. Um, and that's another indication for the TIF, which is combined usually with surgery to control the hernia first and then to wrap it with the TIF. Um, so those are some things that come to mind. Uh, most commonly is how you get involved with the TIF. Very good. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm glad you touched on the hiatal hernia. I'm seeing a question from Salome, it looks like, who says, I've been diagnosed with a hiatal hernia, and that was back in 2014. My surgeon recommended over-the-counter PPIs, mm -hmm. but I've learned to stay away from foods that trigger my episodes. Um, do you recommend a TIF procedure now, or should I wait? How do I know when I should have the procedure? Sure. So, Personal decision, first of all, as long as there's no um, esophageal changes that you've had identified on previous workup, say an EGD, um, you're probably okay to wait as long as you're controlling it with um, lifestyle changes. However, if you're sick of taking the medications and you want to get off that, you want to save costs and save the risk down, you know, down ro the road with your life, consider the TIF. Um, if your hernia is small, meaning less than one to two centimeters, can usually be uh, reduced and fixed during the TIF procedure. Um, and bigger ones have to be maybe a combined procedure with the TIF and surgical approach. Um, but definitely to look into. It also depends who in your area does the TIF. Um, some places don't offer it yet. Um, it is well proven and it has great results, but people are slow to adopt things. I've been doing it now for over three years and I really believe in the results. Um, but you need to find the right provider with the right volume, uh, but definitely something to explore. Great, thank you very much for that. Um, so in, in talking about the procedure, can you talk a little bit about what to expect on the day of the procedure and then just maybe the week or so following? Sure, um, 
So most patients will see their practitioner, either a surgeon or gastroenterologist, either one of us can do the TIF, um, they can, based on indication. So you'll come in after seeing us in the office, um, usually you go to a hospital or a surgery center. Uh, you'll come in about two hours before the procedure on average, get checked in, make sure you're medically cleared and safe for surgery. Um, you're taken back to the operative suite after you've been accurately relaxed by the staff. Um, you will be fully put to sleep. Um, that's to protect your airway. Um, so completely asleep, put on your left side, um, and then we'll pass the devices down. You're gonna wake up with probably a little bit of a sore throat, but shouldn't be any real belly pain. Maybe a little bit of discomfort the next day, but nothing like surgery in terms of um, surgical incisions and that kind of pain. Maybe a little bit just kind of tight up here, a little bit bloated possibly. We insufflate gas into your stomach during the procedure, which can lead to a little bit of bloating sensation but we suck it out on the way out, but something to be aware of. Most people go home without any kind of pain medication, just maybe some Tylenol um, or some very low dose narcotic. Um, you'll go home on a full liquid diet. So everyone's a little bit different with this. There's definitely a TIF recommended diet progression, uh, but many surgeons and providers will follow kind of what they know from training. So I usually do a two week uh, full liquid diet followed by a week of soft foods and then kind of go from there. The idea is we don't want any foods to get stuck. We don't want you to be nauseous or vomiting because that can risk our, our surgery falling apart because it doesn't have time to heal up and scar up yet. So we go very slow with the diet. Excellent. Thank you. Lynn, it looks like you have a, a couple of questions. Yeah, we do. We have a couple here. Uh, one's from Pamela and one's from Tyler. Pamela is uh, asking, what can cause tablets and capsules to slowly digest? I had a poem procedure a year and a half ago, plus surgery for reflux. It feels like there's some slow mobility of the esophagus and Dexalent is the only medication that helps the pain in the upper stomach. Her esophagus has also been stretched a few times. The question about the capsules dissolving, I'm sorry. I think just getting uh, them to pass through and uh, digest, yeah. sounds like. Yeah, so you're definitely a complex case. Um, anyone with a poem history is a little more involved. Um, I don't know if you've had recent manometry done where they measured the amount of release. Poems can be incomplete sometimes and require either revisions or a heller, which is a surgical approach. Um, so recommend seeing GI for a full manometry to make sure you're fully released or an upper GI where you swallow some more contrast, just to make sure that this is more of a sensation and not really food getting stuck. Great advice. Thank you. Um, Tyler's asking, how does a hiatal hernia relate to GERD? Sure. sure. So it's really important. Um, we're all made the same way. And as you get older um, for a variety of factors, be it getting gaining weight, heavy weakening of your tissue, um, some genetic factors possibly, the anatomy can change. So um, it's hard to demonstrate this with a model or a picture, um, but the esophagus comes down and the stomach kind of loops out and then forms kind of this J shape towards your liver. That shape 
is very important for this valve to function correctly. So if the hernia allows for the esophagus to move this way, that way up, it changes its normal shape from this normally. And if the esophagus goes up with the hernia to now like this. So this changes how the fibers around the lower junction of the esophagus sit and hold. So where it would normally be tight like this, now that it's stretched, it can't function the same way. So you lose the competency of that valve. So that's why we go back and say we have to, first of all, fix the hernia, because part of the diaphragm also has a role besides the valve controlling the reflux. So we say whenever there is a hernia there, we should fix that as well to give more compression onto the esophagus to help squeeze and to cradle the esophagus. Excellent. Thank you. And Wendy, back to you. All right. Thank you for that. Great, great answer. Um, so when should TIF patients, we've talked about diet, let's talk mm -hmm. about kind of their, their daily physical activity. What, what does their recovery look like? Um, and, you know, fr progressing from daily, just normal daily activity to exercise, um, what, what do you recommend that they um, pursue and what do you recommend yeah. that they avoid? So they're going to feel a lot better than the average surgery patient. So they're going to be up moving around the first day of surgery. That's my goal, at least. Um, the biggest thing for them is just working in the diet progression. Um, I want you walking. You can run, walk, bike, jog. All that's fine. The big thing is just avoiding belly pressure. So no like weightlifting, no squats, that kind of thing for at least two weeks after surgery. Let things scar in. But you can go back to work if you want, even a few days after surgery, once you're off any narcotic and thinking clearly, um, and you can meal prep for going to work, you can go back to work in a couple of days after surgery. Excellent. Any, uh, any, any tips on um, things that uh, you've seen patients do really well with diet wise? That's, it's almost the, always the universal question, you know, what's, what's the best diet I can follow? What are the successful foods? What are the, the, the best things that you can give me as far as good advice? Immediately after? Yeah. So the first thing is meal prep. So before you have surgery, do your shopping before you have surgery. Find options you'll like, even shakes you'll like. Shakes are your friend. So you might lose a few pounds in this process. It won't be because you're starving to death, but because you're on a liquid diet. So it's also kind of a surgery diet. Um, so take just, you know, it'll be good for you. Um, but uh, yeah, meal plan. So you don't want to be after surgery kind of thinking, what am I going to eat now? So we give you a pamphlet with a TIF company about what food choices are good. So you can pick up there what kind you like. It's going to be fairly dairy-based, um, no carbonation, because that can cause worsening like hiccups and belching and that kind of thing. Um, so um, water is a great choice, even water flavors, kind of a um, in a low-carb diet. We don't, want to, we don't want to have thick breads. We don't want to have raw vegetables. Um, and avoiding the kind of the pasta. So maybe a, a well-chewed protein-based diet and things that kind of pour off a spoon would be good. Um, ground meats and that later on in the road. But initially, like I said, full liquid diet, which means things that pour off a spoon easily. And then from there, kind of a soft, mushy diet, kind of like a mashed potato-based um, diet, um, that kind of texture. And we'll slowly reintroduce like ground meats and, um, and like moist fish. And then many weeks on the road, we can just discuss, you know, a little bit of bread here and there going forward. But we don't want anything to get stuck initially. Um, and we don't want anyone to have uh, uh, reflux or, or um, uh, not, not stuck, but 
just a huge volume going down. Bread's very bulky, so that can also stretch out this healing um, um, wrap. So you don't want to cause anything to get stuck or or be, or stretch it out too much. Excellent, thank you. I don't think we've ever had anyone explain why no carbonated beverages. Oh thank yeah, you for that yeah. appreciate that. Um, okay, so then as far as you know, just I would say you know in in wrapping it up this evening, can you? Maybe share with us some parting thoughts that that you have um, with those who are out there. They're suffering. They're in need of help. Just sure. kind of taking that first step forward to to yeah. a better life. Yeah. Uh, so I would say once you've maximized lifestyle changes and you've been on medications, unfortunately, a lot of people get stuck in the cycle of seeing GI and GI says, "Oh, you're fine." taking the medications, it's controlling you okay. But if you're not okay with that, which is completely reasonable, it's time to elevate your level of care. So either see a surgeon or see someone who specializes in the TIF procedure um, and discuss the options. Because many, because the standard of care used to be just PPIs the rest of your life. And unless you had a huge hernia that needed to repair by a surgeon. So control, take control of your own care and explore the options and, and research the TIF and look in your area and see who offers it and go talk to that provider um, and see if it's if you're a candidate for it. Um, but really try to own your care. And I think that many people that have um, long-term GERD, they're spending money on it, they're um, living um, kind of in fear of what their next meal is gonna be, how are they gonna be out socially with their friends? Can they lay down flat in bed? What is their partner thinking about this? You know, so. The tip's a way to kind of get rid of all those thoughts going forward and to really le live a GERD-free life for many, many years to come. Oh, thank you. What a wonderful way to to put that into perspective. Um, you know, we were talking before we before we got on uh, on Facebook tonight just about uh, the fact that Thanksgiving's coming up, uh, typically mm -hmm. a time when people overindulge. And you were mentioning a patient, uh, a TIF patient of yours uh, recently, would you share with us just a little bit about his situation pre pre TIF and and then sure. post TIF? Yeah, so Thanksgiving is uh, GERD awareness uh, week that week, um, so which is really fitting because everyone's going to be you know eating like crazy, but moderation is key. Um, so I had a patient about a month ago who came to me, and the whole visit he was sitting there just going, <clears throat> and then about fifteen seconds passed. <clears throat> I'm like. Is that your GERD? He said, yes, it, it's constant. He said, maybe it's my, my uh, sinuses. And I'm like, it's probably your GERD. Um, he had a history of Barrett's as well, which has been well controlled with medications, but he was sick of the medications. They weren't working. He's tried uh, PPIs, he tried Dexalent, um, he's tried Pepsid, nothing was working for him. So um, I had a history of his EGD in the last couple of years, took him to the OR for the TIF procedure, uh, took about 45 minutes or so. He went home the next day. Um, he, we half dosed his PPI when I saw him back in two weeks, I was talking to him in the office, him and his wife, and it was silent. There was no coughing. There was no, <clears throat> no clearness throat, nothing like that. And he was so emotional about how much that's impacted his life. You know, he had many other issues going on too. So just to get this one taken care of and for peace and quiet again around the household with his wife was a big thing too. And she really appreciated that he's now um, able to get around the house and, and eat what he wants to eat and not be distracted by that constant 
regurgitation of an irritation. So it's been life-changing for him. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, and now hopefully his Thanksgiving will, will be a bit more enjoyable than it's been in the past. I'm, yeah. I'm really glad to hear that. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, what I will say to you uh, is thank you so much for being with us this evening. It's been a pleasure having you. I hope you'll join us again soon. Um, to our audience, if you or a loved one are looking to take the next step in treating your GERD symptoms, please visit our physician locator at www.girdhelp.com. Uh, you can simply enter in your zip code. Dr. Smith is listed there if you're in the Richmond area. And our locator will provide you with a list of TIF-trained physicians in your area. Uh, we also encourage you to download our GERD Help app for either iOS or Android. Simply go to the App Store and type in GERD Help, all one word, to load this free interactive tool that can be accessed for all things GERD, including recipes, articles, and even a journal you can use to help record your symptoms for your doctor. Until then, thanks again, Dr. Smith. Have a Thank wonderful you. evening, and thanks to the Facebook community for joining us. Bye-bye, everyone. If you are suffering from chronic acid reflux and want more information, please visit GERDhelp.com or download our GERD Help mobile app. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of TIFF Talk. Leave your questions and comments on our social media at GERD Help. Live well, GERD free.